you can be in the resonance of passivity and it's all too big and too much and I have hardly any influence at all. Or you can be in the resonance of resistance and rebellion and fighting against and it shouldn't be like this and it should be like that. Or you can be in the resonance of possibility. Hey, 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 so glad you're here. This is Tracking Yes, and you are exactly where you're meant to be. I'm your host, Liz Wilson, coach, creator, and round-the-clock philosopher. And this, my friends, is where the magic happens. Join me and my guests for stories that will inspire you to dial up your curiosity, fine-tune your courage and wisdom, and create an empowered relationship with whatever's happening now. On today's show, I'm talking about a powerful tool for shifting your experience and how what you're thinking and believing impacts how you're feeling, what you're choosing, and the attitude of possibility that you're meeting the world with. This is a story about magic and about creating magic through resonance. I hold magic as the art and practice of influencing and impacting your reality consciously by using resonance to shape your experience. And when I say resonance, I'm talking about it from the physics perspective of vibration, vibrational frequency. What is your attitude in the moment and what's the reverberation of that? And Your resonance is in large part created by what you're thinking and believing, because that dictates how you're feeling and that impacts how you respond and how you respond in the moment influences the field around you and the other people around you. And so what you're putting out there is contributing to what's possible. Okay, so here's a bit of a wild story about using resonance to bend reality. And I can't even believe this happened and I was there. I had just finished a week-long workshop in Santa Barbara, and a big component of this workshop was about resonance causation, how you shift your reality through shifting your resonance. And so I was steeped in this. And on my flight home, I was supposed to fly out of Santa Barbara at 9.55 in the morning, connect in Phoenix, and then fly from Phoenix home to Calgary. And on the day of my flight, I woke up to an email from American Airlines saying, your flight's been delayed by an hour. It's now not leaving till 10.55. And I had good friends in Santa Barbara, so I decided, okay, well, great. I'm going to chill out. I'm going to have coffee or breakfast with them. And I get to, yay, have an extra hour with them. And I'll just go to the airport an hour later. But then I started to think, hang on, that's going to be a really tight connection in Phoenix. It's only going to be about 40 minutes and it's an international flight. This is probably not going to work. So it's about 8 a.m. I phone American Airlines and say, I'm wondering what else we can do here so that I don't miss this connection. And first of all, the woman on the other end of the line said, well, I can get you on a flight that would leave Phoenix at 9.30 at night, and you'll get into Calgary at 12.40 a.m. And I'm thinking, and then it's like two hours by the time I get my luggage and go through customs and drive back to Banff, and that is not ideal. And so, yeah, I don't, that's not, not my first choice. Um, What else 
can we do? And she said, well, if you can still get to the airport for a 9.45 flight, there is a United flight that goes to San Francisco, three-hour connection, and then home to Calgary by six. But I don't know for sure I can get you on that flight. But if you want, I can try. I'm like, yes, please, ideal, perfect, let's try. So she said, okay, I'm just going to have to put you on hold and I'll let you know when I know. So she's got me on hold. I'm packing up my final things and getting ready to make a run for the airport if need be. And it takes about a half hour. But finally, at about 8.30, she comes back on the line and says, okay, I've got you a ticket on this 9.45 flight. Awesome. Okay. I still got to get to the airport. So I call the front desk, uh, ask them to call me a taxi. And she checks back in and says, okay, I just wanted to keep you on the line until I made absolute sure I have a confirmation. And I do. And here's your confirmation number. And they'll be expecting you at the airport. So I write all that stuff down and I go downstairs and the cab's still not there. And it's 8.45. And I know it's like 20 minutes at least to the airport. So (laughs) the valet is standing out in the sun. He's just chilled, hanging out, all relaxed. And I say to him, wow, I've only got an hour till my flight takes off and the taxi isn't here. It's probably going to be pretty tight to make a flight, huh? And he says, well, it's a small airport. You've probably got lots of time. And it's so interesting because I notice I'm trying to get him to collude with me in a story of, I'm probably not going to make my flight. And why am I doing that? And and I loved that he wasn't buying into it. Like, he's just like, oh, no, it's probably fine. And so then my cab arrives, I get in the cab, and I say to the cabbie, how long to the airport? And he said, oh, about 15 minutes. Okay, that's going to put me there about 45 minutes before my flight takes off. Do you think that'll be okay? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a small airport, probably be fine. (laughs) So I don't know why I am trying to tell this story of I'm going to miss my flight, but I'm just going to let that go. So I get to the airport, it's about 10 after nine, and I go up to the United counter and there's a woman working there, her name's Meryl, and she's got someone she's training or an assistant or something just standing behind her kind of watching what she's doing, but not really someone who could, you know, make any decisions or, or add anything to the mix of possibility. So Meryl, the ticket agent, I hand her my confirmation number and my thing on the phone that says the flight number and the time and and all of that. And she looks at it all and she says, you don't have a ticket on this flight. And I'm, I said, but how is that possible? Here's my confirmation number. And she said, whoever did this did it wrong. They confirmed a reservation on the flight, but they didn't actually buy you a ticket. But, you know, if you want to try phoning United, see if you can get another ticket, then I can see if they'll give you a little more time to board because it's a small plane and it's not full. I said, okay, yes, that would be great. But she was she was kind of like scowly and, you know, arms crossed kind of energy, like definitely in this place of this is not going to happen. But she radios to the gate and says, have this situation and passenger and can she come up a bit late? And they said, we'll give her eight minutes to get here. 
So she said, okay, you have eight minutes to figure this out. Okay, I will, I'm on it. I will make the call. I will do what I need to do. And she said, why, why don't we just go down? I'm going to take you down to the American counter. It was only like 50 yards away. And we'll just talk to them directly instead of on the phone. So fantastic. Yay, Meryl. Awesome. We head down there and she calls the guy who works at the counter out of the back, Christian. She says, this is Christian and he'll take it from here. She goes back to her counter. Christian gets on the phone to American and talks to them for a few minutes. And then they put him on hold and he says, I'm on hold, but the person, I'm so sorry, the person on the other end when you called this morning, did not handle this properly, and you don't have a ticket. And I just really don't think you're going to get on this flight. But we'll hold and we'll see. And in that moment, I said to myself, okay, I can create getting on this flight. And I believe that the possibility to get on this flight exists in the universe. And so I am going to just hold steadfast to that. This is going to happen. Magic is going to happen here. <laughs> and so then I'm just small talking with him, you know, how long have you lived here, blah, blah. And while we're holding, and then all of a sudden he says, oh, okay, we got you a ticket. We got you on the flight. Yay. And this is like probably 25 minutes before the flight's taking off. And he says, so you got to get back down to United and get your boarding pass and get to the boarding gate. And I start heading back there and he's yelling, Meryl, print her boarding pass. We got her on the flight. So I zoom back up to the United counter and Meryl says, okay, great. We'll get this figured out. And you can see her starting to light up a bit. It was really interesting. And then she starts to type in her computer. She's, you know, trying to get the boarding pass. And all of a sudden she just stops typing. And she looks at me and she's tapping her finger repeatedly on the keyboard. And she says, I can't get in. I cannot get into my computer. Nothing is happening here. And then the gate calls her and says, we're closing down the flight. No one else can come on. And she's like, no, she's coming. My passenger has her ticket and I'm just wait for her. I'm just trying to get her a boarding pass. So she gets on her computer again and it's completely frozen. And she's like, ah, I can't get you a boarding pass. They've closed it upstairs because they're started, they've started boarding people. And so they've closed ticketing and boarding. I cannot get you this. And Christian's standing beside her and her assistant is, and all three of them are standing there looking down at the computer. And I looked at them and I thought to myself, we are going to make this happen. There's four of us here and we are going to make this happen. I know that we can do this. We can create this. And she looks at me and says, it's over. There is no way that I'm going to get you on this flight. It can't happen. And in my head, I said, this is going to happen. And okay, pause, 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 sidebar. What was going on was I was way more interested in what was possible than what was not. And I was completely committed to that interest. And 
it really, it, it really wasn't, it wouldn't have mattered whether I had gotten on the flight or not. What mattered was I was committed to not agreeing to impossibility until the plane had left the ground without me on it. And so, so, okay, so that's what's happening here. I'm in my head. I'm like, she's looking at me saying, absolutely no over, not going to happen. And I'm like, yes, it is. And, and you're going to help it happen. And, and then she starts typing again and, and says, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Okay, here we go. I'm in. So I need to get your thing for your luggage. I need to get your credit card so you can pay. She says to her assistant, put her ticket on the luggage and hands me the luggage claim. And I put it in my wallet and she takes my credit card and typing, 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 doing all these things. And then here's the cool thing. She was so not in panic. She was on. She, she was in her element. And she was in this clean, powerful energy now of possibility. So then she says, okay, hang on. Let me see your boarding pass. Yes, this one's right. Uh, this one's right for San Francisco. This one's right for Calgary. Let me see your claim check. I said, I already put it away. She said, don't care. Get it out. Let me see it. So I get it out of my purse. I open, hand it over to her. She like, looks at it. Okay, yes. Your bags are going all the way through to Calgary. They'll be there when you get there. Everything is how it needs to be. Let's go. I'm going to take you to customs and get you to pre-clearance. So <laughs> we're racing up to pre-clearance, running up the escalator through the airport, and we get there and, you know, we get to the place where the, the person is standing, the check-through person, and, and there's a couple there. This guy and his wife are in line. He's handing his passport over to the person at the counter. And the stewardess is on the other side of pre-clearance, Elizabeth Wilson. And Meryl's like, she's right here. She's here. She's coming. Hold the gate for her. And then she says to the guy and his wife, what time are you flying? And he says 11. And she's like, can we get in front of you? And he's like, absolutely. So they step out of the way. And I hand my passport to the border person. And I, I give her a big kiss on the cheek. Meryl, you're a rock star. That was magic. Thank you so much. I love you. Thank you for making this work for me. And then I grab all my stuff and I go in and it's the belts off and the shoes off and all the, uh, don't even get me started on that shit. But anyway, all of that, put the cart through the thing and, and I get through and get through to the other side of the x-ray scanner and I'm waiting for my stuff to come through and the guy at the x-ray machine is I think he might have been about 90 years old at least he was moving like he was 90 years old there's no hurry for anything there is no urgency and I see my bag come through in the bin and it's like this slow motion. It's so painful. I'm watching. I'm I'm watching the thing slowly come out of the through the little you know the rubber hanging down curtains, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I just need my bag, and and I see his hand reach up and grab the side of the bin, and pull it off the conveyor belt toward him. And I'm like, no, and he turns to me and says. I'm going to have to x-ray your bag a second time. I'm like, dude, no, the the plane's leaving in 10 minutes. They're holding the plane. I have to go now. And he says again, I'm going to have to x-ray your bag a second time. 
and he pushes it back through the thing. And so, so anyway, okay, well, that's happening. My boots and my belt and my stuff come through and the, the couple that let me go in front of them, they're pulling it out and handing it to me and helping me put my coat on and here's your thing. And I gather all my stuff and I'm like, I get my bag back and got all my stuff. And I'm like, okay, where do I have to go? Where do I have to go? And Meryl is standing there because she's come through pre-clearance and she's now standing on the other side. And she's like, I'm right here. I got you. Let's go. Let's go. She grabs one of my things and we go running up to the gate and she says, it's not her fault. They made her do a bag a second time and you got to let her on the plane. And the stewardess is like, okay. And I hug her goodbye and I get on the plane and I fly to San Francisco and then to Calgary, arrive at six o'clock, get my stuff home for dinner by 8 p.m. (laughs) So I fucking love this story so much because three times I was told, you are not getting on this flight. And, And one of them was, it's over. Like, it's absolutely over. This is not going to happen. And I just went, I'm not budging. I am not budging from the resonance of possibility. And What I really saw was that I had to not only have me in the resonance of possibility, I had to get Meryl there too for this to get created. And the thing about resonance is if there are two very different resonances that meet, like one of possibility and one of limitation, when they come into the same space, they will start to act on each other either the high resonance, the more expansive one will start to drop into the lower one, or the lower one will start to lift up or, or they'll meet somewhere in the middle. And so if I had gone to limitation, like, oh, for Christ's sake, I can't believe this. And I'm not getting on my flight. Or even if we'd met in a middle place that kind of sort of limited and kind of sort of possible, it, it, it would not have happened. I needed to somehow get her where I was. And And what I had to do to have any chance of that happening was to be unwavering in my resonance of possibility and hold steadfast to that. And once she got there, once things started happening, she was so excited. It was incredible. She was just lit up and full of energy. Let's make this happen. We love magic. We love creating against all odds. We actually love knowing that we are more powerful than form, that our attitude or energy or commitment or intention is more powerful than circumstance. And when we actually experience that in our reality, we feel so alive. Like there's nothing better than that. We feel so empowered. And so as much as she made my day, I know that I also made hers. It was just such a fun experience to have. So I invite you to play with something. Think of something that you care about, something that really matters to you, something you want that looks like there are obstacles and you don't get to create it. And just practice choosing possibility and noticing when you go to doubt and noticing when you go to attachment or clinging, which is equally limiting because that says there's only one good outcome. Because there wasn't, for me, it wasn't, I'm attached to getting on the flight. It was way more present moment than that. I'll get on the flight or I won't. 
what I'm committed to is that as long as that flight has not left the ground, the possibility exists that I can get on that flight. And so, so it's, it's finding the energy of possibility and holding to that instead of agreeing to form or circumstance looking like right now, that's probably not going to happen. And if you want to work with this in a place where you'll really get some meaningful bang for your buck, play with it in a situation where you're in conflict with someone. And notice if the energy in the space is of defensiveness or judgment or criticism or blame on either part, in either person. And, and if that is there and it doesn't get countered by someone, then that's the field that you're working in. That's the field that's being created around the conflict. If there is no resonance of curiosity and desire to come into greater understanding and deepen our relationship, then that is not going to be created or it's going to require a lot of effort to create it because you're almost like you're getting in the way of possibility. So you could practice choosing, so you're in conflict with someone, and you could say, okay, I'm going to hold a resonance of kindness, of collaboration, of, of a desire to, to hear this person and know what's going on for them and to listen deeply and then feel into your own what's true for me when I hear that and what does it look like for me to meet that in integrity. And if you hold that resonance when you're in conflict with another person and you're unwavering in this space of respect and fellow human, and we're in a tough spot together here, it is profound how it will impact the space. This, it can't not, if you go into conflict in defensiveness and judgment and blame, versus if you go into conflict in generosity and compassion and a desire to be in connection, it is going to be a different experience. Even if the other person is dug in, even if they're committed to defensiveness and criticism and blame. And I know like sometimes I can feel like, well, I don't know. They're being like, they're attacking me and they're being a jerk to me. And I don't want to, I don't feel kindness and generosity toward them. But that's the place to remember this, you are the beneficiary of that resonance. Whether or not they meet you there or they stay committed to this angry, defensive, aggressive resonance, either way, you are the beneficiary of this more open, expansive, curious resonance field. So you can be in the resonance of passivity and it's all too big and too much and I have hardly any influence at all, or you can be in the resonance of resistance and rebellion and fighting against and it shouldn't be like this and it should be like that, or you can be in the resonance of possibility because nothing is fixed. Everything is being acted upon and shifted and influenced by everything around it all the time. And that includes you. You're a powerful influencer. So bottom line is, as you're moving around in the world, you can be in the resonance of yes, or you can be in the resonance of no. And if someone else is in the resonance of no, you do not have to agree. Thanks for joining me today, everyone. 
If you like the show, I'd so appreciate it if you could subscribe and share it with people you think would love it. It's an unpaid labor of love, and your support encourages me to keep it coming. Check out the show notes for links to my coaching website, lizwilson.com, and my coaching blog, trackingyes.com. Talk to you next time. And in the meantime, have a great week and keep your compass lined up with yes.